the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Practical Living with Dale O'Shield, Senior Pastor of Church of the Redeemer in Maryland. We pray that through this message, you will learn how to apply God's Word and truth to your life. Stay with us as we discover God's truths that will transform us. Are we going to heaven? Yes, we're going to heaven. Jesus secured our salvation. But every believer will have a day in court before Jesus. I want to unfold for you today what that means, this judgment seat of Christ. The judgment seat of Christ comes from a Greek word called bima, and the word bima means an exalted position. It was often used, for example, in the Olympics when a race was completed. There would be a judge at the end of the race on an exalted platform, and they would assign rewards to those who had won the race. And so we're all running a race. We're running this Christian journey, and we're running so that when we get, as I'll mention in a moment, before our judge, our Savior Jesus, we want to hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant. Those are the words that we're wanting to hear from our judge on that day of judgment, the judgment seat of Christ. Let me share with you things that you need to know about this moment in time. Number one, we need to be aware of the fact that God sees and knows everything about you, everything about us. He knows everything about all of us. All this, it can be sort of a scary thought. It need not be a scary thought. It's simply a fact that you and I need to be aware of. And when you and I know that, that Jesus sees everything about you and I, then it brings us to a place of sobriety in the way that we live our lives. The Bible is very, very clear about this. Job chapter 34, verse 21. For God watches how people live. Read the rest with me. He sees everything they do. Proverbs 15, 3. The Lord is watching everywhere, keeping his eye on both the evil and the good. Hebrews 4, 13. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. What does God know about you and what does God know about me? God knows the good that you do. He's aware of every time you give a cup of cold water in his name. He's aware of the smallest deeds of righteousness that you do, the smallest aspects of service in your life. When you do it in the right way for the right reasons, he knows the good that you do. He knows your thoughts. Jesus, very clearly, we saw during his ministry, he knew the thoughts of people. He knows our thoughts as well. He knows our attitudes. He understands when our attitudes are pleasing and when our attitudes are displeasing. He knows the motives of our life. He not only knows what we do, but he knows why we do what we do, what's behind our works or our efforts. He knows the words that we speak. Jesus listens to the words of our mouth, and obviously he also knows the evil that we perform or the sins that we commit. God sees and knows everything about you and everything about me. Nothing escapes his view. Number two, entrance into heaven 
We've talked about this before, but it isn't earned, it's received as a gift. I wanted to take time today to just reinforce this. It really was not necessary for me to give you this point, but I did feel like I wanted to sort of underscore this again. All of us are sinners, amen? All of us have broken God's law. All of us continue to break God's law. And because we're sinners, we deserve eternal judgment. We deserve eternal punishment. But Jesus, the sinless Son of God, out of His amazing love, He took the penalty of our sins for us through His death on the cross. Romans 5, verse 8, but God demonstrates His own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And when you and I put faith in Jesus, in his sacrifice on the cross, and belief and faith in his resurrection, we are freely offered the gift of eternal life. You do not earn salvation. You can't be good enough to get salvation. You don't owe God for salvation. He doesn't give it to you on a debt payment plan. No, he says, I'm giving you a free gift. Here's a ticket to eternity. All you must do is put your faith in me as your Savior and Redeemer. I paid the price for you. Accept my gift of salvation. Romans 10, 9 and 10, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It doesn't say you might be saved. It says you will be saved. Absolute assurance of salvation. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, made, made right with God, made just as if you never sinned. That's what the word justified means. And it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. So your salvation doesn't, your eternal life life and salvation doesn't depend on you. It depends on Jesus. I think we ought to praise him for that today. Amen. Praise him for that today. Doesn't depend on you. It depends on your faith, just believing what he did for you on the cross of Calvary. So we understand that our salvation doesn't depend on us. It depends on Jesus. Can't earn your way to heaven. The judgment seat of Christ is not about your salvation. It's about the rewards you're going to experience when you get into the assignment of heaven and heaven on earth, the new heaven and the new earth. Here's the third point for today. After receiving Jesus as Savior, once you've accepted him as Lord and Savior of your life, all of us are called to faithfully live for him and do his works in the world. So as soon as you accept Jesus as Lord of your life, you become a part of his family. You become a part of the family of God. You become a part of the kingdom of God. You become a part of the kingdom, the kingdom enterprise on earth. Now, notice the word that I use there. You become a part of, where we get our word partner. If you've ever been in business before with a partner, you understand that in business, if you have a partner, you expect your partner to do their part of the work, right? If you're a partner and your partner is not doing their part of the work, I promise you, you're going to have trouble in your partnership. Not going to work, right? And so when you and I come into the family of God, we become a part of God's family, a part of God's kingdom, and a part of God's kingdom enterprise. We are brought in to become co-workers with God to get his work done in our world and to be a witness to the world around us of the fact that he is the risen Savior. He is the Redeemer and the Lord of all. And so we are to live faithfully for him and do works in the world 
that honor him. Those works do not earn our salvation. Our salvation, again, I need to reemphasize this over and over again. The, the work of salvation has been done for us by Jesus, but having received Jesus, you need to do something good with your life. Good works don't earn your salvation, but they do prove your salvation. They show that something has happened in your life. When you've received the grace of God in your life through Jesus, that grace should never be received in vain. Our lives should show the evidence of God's grace in our lives and in the way that we live and what we do. Second Corinthians chapter 6, verse 1. Let me stop for a moment. Uh, you know that I'm, I'm more of a teacher than a preacher, so I just like to make sure the students are always with me, right? Everybody with me so far? Okay. Okay. If you're not asleep, you're with me, right? Okay, good. Okay. This is not a good message to sleep in, by the way. Okay. This is a good message to stay awake in. Second Corinthians chapter 6, verse 1. Now, since we are God's co- What? His partners, his co-workers, Paul writes, since we are this, faithful believers, we've come to faith in Christ, since we are God's co-workers, we beg you not to take God's marvelous grace for granted, allowing it to have no effect on your lives. Don't let this grace that you received be taken for granted so that it has no impact on how you live. 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. Any man that's in Christ is a new creation. All things have passed away. All things have become new. And so when you accepted Jesus, you were born again. You became a new creation in Christ. You and I have to learn how to live as a new creation, but it happened when you were born again by the Spirit of God. Ephesians 2.10, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. So having received salvation, God has a good work for you to do. There are assignments that he has for your life. He prepared those things specifically for you to be engaged in. Titus chapter 3 verse 8, this is a trustworthy saying, and I want you to stress these things. Paul, writing to Titus as a pastor here, telling him what to preach about, what to teach about, so that those who have trusted in God may be careful to devote themselves to doing what is good. These things are excellent and profitable for everything. Notice again, we're encouraged to do what is good, having received Christ. Jesus himself made this statement, this important understanding that having come into his kingdom, we have responsibility to live a certain way. Matthew 6, beginning in verse 19. Don't store up, for your, uh, store up treasures on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. So here Jesus said, make sure you're living with a set of eternal values, heavenly values, not making earth, not thinking that earth is your final destination. It is not there's a heaven that you need to be laying up treasures in. So God expects us to demonstrate his goodness in our actions, in our attitudes, in our motives, in our thoughts, and in our words. Here's our fourth point. Out of six today, our fourth point. All Christian believers, not some, but all Christian believers, me, you, all of us, 
who know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of our lives. All Christian believers will stand before Jesus one day and give an account of their actions, their attitudes, their thoughts, their motives, and their words. This is very serious. I don't want you to get to that day and say, nobody told me about this. Nobody told me that I was going to be standing before Jesus. I'm telling you today, okay, so that you're aware of the fact that when this day happens in your life, you can remember, oh, I remember back in April 2022, that sermon, they told me about that. I remember that day. So we don't want to be ignorant of this reality. I'm telling you today to think in these terms. Let me read the point again. All Christian believers will stand before Jesus one day and give an account of their actions, attitudes, thoughts, motives, and words. This is called the judgment seat of Christ. This is the day in court for all Christians. You will have a face-to-face encounter where you will give an account of your life to Jesus. What will you give an account of your life to? I'll cover that in just a moment. There are several things that you'll give an account of, but you must be aware of that day. This day of, this day of accounting has nothing to do again with where you're going to spend eternity, but it has everything to do with what your rewards will be in eternity. There'll be different, a differentiation of rewards that people will experience there. This face-to-face encounter is where we give an account to Jesus of several things, how we lived our lives. Listen closely. Your actions, your attitudes, your thoughts, your motives, and your words. Let me say those again. You'll give an account of these five things. What you've done, your actions, your attitudes, because your attitudes are extremely important to God, your thoughts, your thought patterns, your motives, why you've done the things that you've done. You may have done the right things for the wrong reasons, or it may, Jesus knows those aspects of your life, and your words, the words that you've spoken. And if, depending upon how you've lived your life, you will be assigned rewards in heaven from the judge. He's not there to condemn you. He's there to reward you for how you've lived your life. Now, here's the key. Whatever, whatever unconfessed sin you have in your life, whatever broken relationships you have in your life, whatever unforgiveness that you're still carrying with you when you die that goes into eternity with you that you'll give an account for. If you've committed a sin that you've asked God to forgive you for and you've already confessed that and asked for his forgiveness, he's not going to bring it up again. Aren't you glad about that? Okay. You're covered in the blood. Okay. He says that if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. So it's not going to be a moment of Jesus going back. Let me drag up all the junk you did in your life. No, he's not going to do that. But if you're still carrying unconfessed sin that you've not been willing to deal with in your life and attitudes that you haven't been willing to deal with, things that you've not been unrepented of in your life, broken relationships, bitterness in your heart that you haven't resolved, you're going to carry that into eternity with you and you will give an account that day for those things that have not yet been dealt with in your spiritual journey. That's why your spiritual growth is so very, very important. Take a look at the scriptures and let's see what it says about this. Romans 14, verse 12. So then, each of us, how many of us? Each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 10, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ 
so that each of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. Matthew 12, 36 and 37, Jesus himself, you can be sure of this, when the day of judgment comes, everyone will be held accountable. Listen to what he says here. Will be held accountable for every careless word he has spoken. I mean, you're looking for duct tape for your mouth right now, okay? (laughs) Your very words will be used as evidence, and your words will declare you either innocent or guilty. Has to do with your words. Revelation 22, 12. Jesus says, look, I am coming soon. My reward is with me, and I will give to each person according to what they have done. Matthew 25, 21, his master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Those are the words, as I mentioned a few moments ago, that I trust that every one of us here today and those watching online would say, this is what I want to hear. When I get to heaven, I want to hear Jesus say, well done, good and faithful servant. But let me just remind you of something. We don't hear well done unless we've done well. Okay. And so there's a responsibility on us to live our life in a certain way. As we stand in, in awareness of that day that we will stand before him. Matthew 16, verse 27. For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels. And then he will reward each person according to what they have done. At that moment in time, you and I will give an account to the Lord of our spiritual fruitfulness, of the relationships of our life and how we handle them, our words that we've spoken, our purity of life or the impurities of our life, the assignments God gave us and whether we were faithful to those assignments or not. That's why it's important to know what God wants you to be doing with your life and to do it as well as you can. Our stewardship of our time, our treasure, and our talents. These are gifts that God has given to us. Our time, our treasure, our talents. We'll give an account to God of our witness, how we've shared the good news of Jesus Christ with others. We're to live, we're to live every day in anticipation of that day. If you wake up every morning and say, you know what, I need to live today so that I'm ready for that day, it'll change the way you live. 2 Peter 3, verse 14, speaking of that day, look at what he says. So then, dear friends, since you're looking forward to, to this, to that day, he's referring to there, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with Him. Make every effort to make sure you're living in such a way that you're spotless, blameless, and at peace with God. Number five, fifth thing. Very simple statement, but a very important one. Be ready for your day before Jesus. The time to get ready for that day is not when you're standing there, the time to get ready for that day is right now. How do we get ready? I'm going to talk to you today about how you get ready for your day in court. Are you ready for this? I'm going to share with you right now how to be ready for that day so that that day will not only not surprise you, but you'll be ready to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Several things I want to give you. Number one, you need to be a growing Christ follower. If you've accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of your life, you need to be growing. You need to be maturing. Don't stay a baby Christian your whole life. There are a lot of Christians been Christians for 20, 30, 40 years, and they're, still, they're, they're no more mature today than they were when they first accepted Jesus. Are they going to heaven? Absolutely. No question about whether they're going to heaven. They haven't grown in their faith at all. They haven't learned anything about God or His Word and 
They haven't taken a class or studied anything about how to apply God's word to their lives. They're saved. Yes, are they going to heaven? Absolutely. But they haven't grown. They haven't invested in their spiritual journey. That's why Peter says, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior of Jesus Christ. It is time for all of us to make the decision that we need to continue to grow. God is not looking for perfection in your life, but he is looking for growth in your life. Can I say that again? God is not looking for perfection in your life. He knows that we're imperfect. He knows that we're going to miss the mark from time to time. He knows there'll be moments you're going to fall flat on your face in your spiritual journey. But if you're, if you're, if you're a growing Christian, when you fall flat on your face, what do you do? You get right back up again. The righteous may fall seven times, but he rises again, the Bible says. So you might fall and slip and have those moments in your life, but you get back up and you keep going, you keep learning. You learn from your mistakes in the past. You don't dwell on them, but you use them as education for your future. You don't want to remain a baby Christian your whole life. There comes a point in time in your spiritual journey when you need to trade in your bib for an apron. Okay, amen. There's a lot of Christians that are walking around, beat with a bib, take care of me, feed me, take care of me. Take care of me. It's all about me. Me, 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 me. Okay. Is that not what a baby, that, what do they do when they're not getting their food? There's a lot of noisy Christians around. Always creating trouble and problems because they haven't grown up. And so at some point in time, it's time to get rid of your... You know, it doesn't look nice to be 70 and wearing a bib. <laughs> Actually, at 70, you might need a bib, okay? <laughs> Let's go back to 50, okay? <laughs> but the point being is that... <laughs> I don't even know where that came from. So. <laughs> Anticipation of my 70th birthday, I guess. I'm not sure. The point being, there's a time in life when you just let go and say, I'm going to grow in my relationship. I'm going to put on an apron. I'm going to get busy serving God. I'm going to be a growing Christian. And I will tell you that when you stand before Jesus, your growth record is going to be there. Amen? Not your perfection record, but your growth record is going to be there. Are you growing in your faith? Number two, how do you get ready for that day? Keep a clean record with God. What does that mean? It means that when you sin, tell them about it. Don't keep going on in sin and not confessing it, not dealing with it in your life. Again, it's not an issue of trying to be perfect. Is that when you fail, you run to God. Instead of running away from God, you run to God. That's why we have verses like 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, that if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Very interesting, that word, if we confess. The Greek word for confess is the word homologeo, is the Greek term. Homo same logeo word. And so confession means homo say the same word, say the same thing about your sin that God says about it, that it's wrong, that I'm confessing this to you, God. I realize that I messed up. Keep clean accounts with God. Make sure that as soon as you're aware of the fact that you've done something that's displeased God, run to him and tell him about it. Ask him for cleansing and forgiveness. Don't let those things accumulate in your life. Number three, serve God with your abilities. Whatever ability that God has given you, serve him with it. Serve him in the church. Serve him outside the church. 
All of God's service doesn't happen in the church. Some of it happens in the church. We need to do the work of the church, and you need to be a servant in the house of God as God calls you and as you respond to that calling. But sometimes some of your service is not in the walls of the church. Sometimes it's outside the church. If you're, if you're a house builder, build houses to the glory of God. Amen? If you're an automotive mechanic, fix cars to the glory of God. Whatever your assignment is in life, whatever you do in life, do it to the glory of God. Whatever your work is, make sure sure that it's always to his glory and always to his honor. Now, all of us are called to be in full-time ministry. He puts you in various places, but wherever you are, you're a missionary assigned by God. Do it to the glory of God. Okay. Perhaps as you have been listening to today's broadcast, you felt a stirring in your heart, something that reminded you that you need to get something right in your life with God. The first way to start in that journey with God is to open your heart to Jesus Christ, to make him the Lord of your life to turn over all your life to Him. And that begins with a very simple prayer. I want to lead you in that prayer right now. And it's a prayer that you can pray right where you are. Say these words, Jesus, I invite you into my life today to forgive me of all my sins. I need you. I want you. I want you to take charge of my life. Be my Lord and Savior in Jesus' name. Now, if you just prayed that prayer with me, I want to encourage you with a promise from God's Word that says, when we call on God's name, when we call on the name of His Son, Jesus, there is salvation that is brought to our lives. He changes us from the inside out. And the Bible says that if any person is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. And that's what's happened to you today as you've opened your heart to Christ. Let me encourage you. You need to take the next step. The next step is to make sure that you get into a good Bible-believing church where you're studying God's Word. And make sure you get a copy of God's Word and begin to read it. Spend some time each day in prayer. You've been listening to the teaching ministry of Practical Living with Dale O'Shield, Senior Pastor of Church of the Redeemer in Maryland. If you would like more information, please visit our website at church-redeemer.org. May God bless you and make you a blessing. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.